0: Hi, I'm Mark Iskowitz, Editor-at-Large for MMNM, and welcome to the MMNM Podcast. I hope you're all well and staying safe since the last time we spoke. My guests today are Lisa Bookwalter, Director of Health and Wellness for Twitter, Gaitan Akinrolabu, who is Associate Director of Paid Media Strategy, Corporate Affairs, and Digital Operations for BMS, and David Chadwick, Executive Vice President Digital at GCI Health. This podcast continues the dialogue from our chat back on September 30th during MMM's Transform Virtual Conference entitled Pharma Social Media, Tapping Into Dynamic Health Moments. We surfaced some great insights in areas like compliance and working with Med Legal, how industry is evolving its use of the medium, and looming challenges. But we just really touched the surface. So I asked if the panel would return for a follow-up podcast, and they graciously agreed. Today, we'd like to continue that dialogue with the Dynamic Health Moments panel, and we'll do that in a moment. First, a couple of housekeeping items, as we always do on this podcast. As I mentioned, our Transform uh, Conference, which took place September 30th to October 1st, is all online now, so you can listen to this uh, original session, um, as well as all the other great content on demand by going to mmm-online.com forward slash events. Okay, now let's get into the interview with our panel. Uh welcome again, everybody. Thanks again for joining me. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. Thanks, Mark.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Sure, sure. As I mentioned, this podcast continues the great discussion that we had back on September 30th. Uh, and we talked about areas of compliance and working with Med Legal um and so on and so forth. And um, you know, given um, you know, that uh, you know, where we are today, um, I thought um, you know, we would start off um with, uh, you know, the $64,000 question that's kind of on everybody's mind, <laughs> and that is, um, you know, pharma's brand reputation has never been better. Um, at the same time, as we, we, we talked about last time, we've seen kind of a mindset shift in pharma brands realizing that they need to be more human on social media. And meantime, you know, you have the, uh, you know, four COVID-19 vaccine programs that are in late stage testing at this time, and it seems like at least one of them will have a decent shot at getting FDA approval in the year ahead, uh, which brings us to distributing the shot and convincing people to take it. Um, I think Gaitan mentioned uh, in the last time we chatted that uh, the, the challenge for those in social media and marketing has been to rise above the noise in this space. But how, how do we do that? You know, how do we, what, what's the best way to harness social media if you're on the industry side to um, instill more trust uh, in the, amongst the general public for a potential uh, vaccine or treatment?
2: So here's what I think. So I know that you you began the question with farmers, you know, farmers brand reputation is at, a, is at an all-time high right now. Um, and I'm not, I'm not sure if I 100% agree with that. Um, I think that's, when people hear the word pharma and then they hear the word Tylenol, there's a little bit of a disconnect, um, in most cases. And I do think that the policy landscape is really, um, something that invigorates a lot of that, a lot of that thought, a lot of that reputation when it comes to with, with, you know, with pharma, you know, as a brand name, right. Um, you know, I do think that there's, there's a lot of misconception when it comes to do with pharma, um, and I think that a lot of a lot of folks, a lot of individuals that are on the social media, you know, digital spectrum, and people that are either passively or directly looking for, you know, medicines for their health, um, to treat their health, you know, there there's a, a little bit of a disconnect between the idea of medicine and then big pharma at the same time. Because there's a lot of elements that are that are that are in between that. You have the cost of medicine. You have the access of medicine, you have the access of, you have the, um, you know, the cost for, for for um, you know, for medical expenses, and then you also have the healthcare inequality, right? Um, it's the, the, the disparity gap, right? So I think there's a lot of different, a lot of these elements that users, like you and I, that might be using social media and digital, um, that often gets bombarded with for them to truly connect back to the to the actual brand itself right um you know if i'm going for an obd if i if i'm looking for obdivo i'm not necessarily connecting that back to bms so right. folks that are that are within my field where i specifically my my job is to really increase that reputation and that brand reputation um, and i'm doing a lot of work in a digital space to connect you know that Obdivo medicine to, okay, that's BMS. That's creating that, that's, that's creating that medicine. Um, that's what we work day in and day out, you know, to do from a digital, you know, digital marketing perspective rather, you know, versus amplifying Opdivo to specific HCPs so that it's top of mind or patients. So it's top of mind when individuals go into a, to a medical, to a medical facility. Um, but, you know, with that said, I, I think that there is, I think there's there's some work that we have to do there that, to really, to productively increase the impact of the reputation when it, of reputation, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to pharma companies, because I think their reputation is a little bit low right now. Um, but now that we're in a digital landscape, we're in a virtual landscape, and you know, what, what the pandemic has caused for us, has caused for us to be very virtual so we have no choice but to seek out whether it's information about our disease whether it's information about medicine you know we have no choice but to seek out through virtual means and that's where the opportunity lies you know when it comes to do with pharma companies to really increase that brand lift and connect the dots between saving lives as well as the brand the brand itself
1: yeah i think that that the the idea of you know Big pharma, Guyton, on to your point, is different than the way people feel about specific brands treating a condition. I do think that I think there has been a slight change in almost the tone around the vaccine since we last spoke. Where um, I think, as you came into the crisis and as you came in through the summer, there was you know pharma is going to lead us out of this at the end of the day, whether it be through the vaccine or through the treatment, and people were very hopeful about that. I do think um, over the past month to six weeks, there there has been a little bit of a, a seeming shift. Um, and you're hearing a lot more talk around how are we going to get people to take this vaccine? So I think social is going to play a very big part in that because I think Ultimately, that's where people are. That's where people are talking about health. That's where people are talking about public policy. That's where people are talking about their lives. And that's where you're going to change hearts and minds around that. And I think ultimately, pharma companies are going to have to engage social, both from an organic standpoint and a paid standpoint, to move the needle there um, in terms of, of managing that message.
3: From my perspective, I mean, <clears throat> to take a slightly different Attack here. I see it as as two individual problems that both need to be solved. Right. One is how can we get the general, you know, public comfortable with vaccines, right? Full stop. Um, and then there's how do we get them comfortable with these vaccines, right? Because there is so much, you know, disinformation and misinformation out there about. The reality of the safety of vaccines in general—that I think that even beyond you know COVID-specific, you know, public health benefit, there is still a lot of work to be done about you know um, rising up above that misinformation around you know general vaccines.
1: Yeah, that's a great that's a great point um, because I think you're right. There's like that's a two-step process, and we actually on our side are having clients talk about that. Like they they want to. In, in advance of any COVID vaccine, they want to be out there talking about vaccines and what they do. You know, J&J did a whole push on Twitter around just that, like the value of vaccines yep. and mm-hmm. why they're so important. Mm-hmm. And it's funny
3: because I think in what, what I've seen, the, the you know, the industry as a whole is doing a much better job of the second task than the first. So, you know, if, if you were to ask, like, how are you going to show the public that these vaccines are going to be, you know, effective, sure, but safe, right, is the real question. Um, I think that the industry has actually banded together incredibly well in the interest of public health. And I will say, look, this isn't, you know, solely public health too, because the industry has a vested interest in wanting these vaccines to be successful. You know, sales aside, you know, it has been, a huge reputational boon uh, as you were referring to Mark. But I I think that the fact that, Mm -hmm. you know, the major uh, industry players that have been in vaccine development have all come together and said, we are not going to let the um, trials that we are undertaking or the validity of the data that we are compiling be compromised by a political process. I thought was quite a bold move and, and really shows that, you know, for, for people on both sides of the aisle, frankly, that, you know, were having questions about whether or not this vaccine was going to be safe, given the, you know, warp speed timing that we dealt with. I, I thought that that act of solidarity did a really great job to show that, like, you know, despite what you've heard, we, the industry, are still putting the science, you know, right. at the top of our level of priorities here. So I, I think, in that regard, you know, the the industry has done a great job. Now, on the the bigger question, I think that there are a lot of headwinds that are going to be very tough to um, to you know surpass, right, or, or um, you know uh, to win on, because there is such entrenchment of that you know the the sort of vaccine skepticism um, that has been bubbling for, you know, years now. And this is just set, sort of a manifestation. And I, I, I do think that it's interesting, because, you know, there are a lot of people out there that have this, like, sort of embedded skepticism of, you know, the vaccine and and in sort of a dotted line to that anything that is being sort of given to them as a panacea for, you know, by, by like a large multinational corporation for, you know, something that could that could help it, their health. Um, but, you know, it, it's a situation like this where, you know, some of the very same people who are saying, you know, oh I'm, you know, I, I don't trust vaccines are now in sort of the tenuous position where it's like, well, you know, I don't trust these public health measures like social distancing or mask wearing. Vaccines, the vaccine is going to be, you know, the cure for what ails all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it is this sort of, juxtaposition and, um, you know, seeming contradiction that, that, uh, I, I at least have witnessed in sort of what is going to bring an end to, you right. know, the situation that we're living in now.
1: Yeah. And I think pharma companies, you know, they're so, I think one of the great things about social, but one of the challenging things about social is they're bringing forward all these voices with a major amplification behind them. So David, to your point, it's like, everything is is questioned every every all these mediation measures and the vaccine and the treatments and you know i think pharma companies have a tough job to really be able to to address cuz everybody ultimately is impacted by this and i think um you know the vaccine is really the only way out and so how um can pharma companies unify people behind that when People are not unified behind anything else as it relates to to the virus.
0: So that's more of a of a question than a statement, but um, it, it does seem like because of the infodemic out there that's playing out in the social space, it has affected um, you know meeting brand objectives uh, because they're they're now reshuffled uh, to a certain extent. There there are a, a good number of headwinds, you know, as as David as David pointed out.
3: One other thought before we. Turn the page on this is that you know I, I know we're specifically talking about digital and social here about ways that we can um, or, or the industry rather can you know um, shore up that uh, acceptance of a vaccine. But I do think that um, you know I, I was in a conversation earlier this week with um, with a health influencer uh, from uh, Black Doctors White Coats, and I think she made the very astute observation uh, that. A lot of the work that we're talking about here needs to be done at the community level because there is so much inherent distrust for organized healthcare from so many different swaths of people, um, many of whom are going to be, you know, the most acutely affected, um, you know, by the pandemic. And she went out of her way to say, you know when when you know people were uh, a, a vaccine manufacturer came to her uh, to participate in the clinical trial, and she said, this is a you know a responsibility that I have to get out in my community and let people know that this is something that can help them to try to battle that distrust. And I don't care where you are in America right now. you know there are, there is going to be a dissenting voice to the validity of a vaccine. And I think the more people that, are believers in science and believers in public health that can get out there and speak to the people that are you know on their doorstep and you know in their neighborhood and in their community like the the people that are you know um, that they spend time with and and you know that that they serve as a trusted voice for I think that is going to be so much more impactful or at the very least equally impactful to you know, a blasted out message that we can provide on social. So mm-hmm. not to say that social doesn't have application here. It absolutely does. And the more education and information we can get out there and testimonials from, you know, people that are going to be trusted sources, the better. But I do think that there is a serious ground game that is so necessary to make sure that the, the message is not coming from, like, a large corporation or, a, a mm-hmm. you know, a, a Facebook page. It's coming from somebody that, like, is two blocks over or like, is the practicing physician that they've seen for the last 15 years, you know? So, you know, I, I just don't want to get that, you know, swept under the rug.
0: Since, since we're on the subject of COVID-19, you know, what, what have been the most uh, immediate impacts on healthcare and social media from the pandemic? You know, where, where will we see long lasting change, you know, and I'm talking about say, near-term changes, um, you know, things where the, we've seen the biopharm industry adapt um, to long-term and more profound changes in how we relate to our health and medical experts and, and each other. Um, and uh, David, you know, we could, we could start with you on this one and then and move around. So,
3: I mean, to, to me, the the big thing is the tone of the content. And I know we, we talked about this a little bit in the session that we had a couple of weeks back, but... Um, you know the the sort of shift towards um, a more informal and authentic tone from a lot of the you know official mouthpieces you know on on and by that I mean social handles and, and stuff like that from you know um, a lot of the industry players has been um, I, I think the the biggest sort of positive development in you know how this is going to change the industry moving forward. Um, I will say that you know in in the early days of the pandemic, that was kind of more novel and perhaps a little more pronounced. I feel like now, um, and and Gaetan, I'd be interested in your thoughts too, you know, being, being, you know, in house, but um, there was this sense early on of like, we got to be really scrappy with, you know, how we can actually create our content. And that, you know, necessity being the mother of invention kind of led towards the more, you know, homemade, real feeling, authentic feeling, you know, storytelling that, that I think that the industry benefits from. I I do see a little bit, I I think that there's definitely still a lot of people that are kind of taking that to heart and doing content like that um, consistently. But I do see a little bit of a step back from that in that, you know, now months have gone by and content creators have gotten smart about how they can efficiently create content that is a little bit more akin to the level of production quality that we may have seen pre-pandemic. So I do think that like that is not as big of a sea change as I think we all thought it might have been immediately following the news of, you know, quarantine and lockdowns and and stuff like that. Um, But I do think that that's kind of a shame because I think that, you know, even just the last conversation that we had about the need for authenticity from industry, um, the more that we, as you know, sort of representatives of industry, can speak to people, you know, like their friends, family, colleagues, et cetera, and not this like monolith, you know, I think the better we are for it. So that's not to say that there isn't any room for a highly produced manicured piece. There absolutely is, and I think that you know there's opportunity to shift opinions and gain mind share with that. But but I do just really hope that the Authenticity that that was broad in those early days, and that, again, some are continuing to do, is something that will be a trend that we see continue.
1: I think what's going to be really fascinating to watch is the whole world around HCPs, and you know their whole business model from a, a um, you know pharma standpoint was training reps to go in office, and now they can't do that, so what's that going to look like, right? How are they going to adapt the digital platform for HCPs? How are HCPs going to share information with each other? Because you've seen these virtual conferences and and certainly the HCP usage on Twitter has just exploded even more than it already was. And and that's how people are connecting and sharing information. Um, And these virtual conferences have been very successful and people are connecting in different ways. So that is going to be different, Uh, how public health officials disseminate information. So I think that entire, I don't think that's going back. You know, I think that's an entire industry um, that will be changed. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see what HCP does in digital now that it's going to be so much more because i think that's where where that energy and dollars and everything else will go is into the digital sphere and i think that's going to be extremely interesting and i think the other thing is just the focus on the consumer and and telemedicine right i mean it's that i think is also here to stay because it's so much easier i mean it's so much easier to go onto an app for something for probably most minor health um, instances, and so then when you actually do have to go to the doctor, it's a significantly more pleasant experience. So I think there's going to be things that are long lasting, um, because I think people are going to find that it suits them better the new way.
2: Yeah, and I, you know, I, I definitely I agree with 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 everything David said and Lisa said as well in reference to trends. Um, you know, when when I was when during my younger years, right? Um, I used to be a huge fan of of music concerts, like Co- like Coachella, for example. So I used to go to, make sure I go to Coachella ev- every year. Um, and when I was not able to go, you know, the first thing I did was, once, once Coachella wrapped up, I went ahead and did some research and looked behind the scenes, got an understanding of who was there, got an understanding of, you know, because I was in the entertainment industry, I got an understanding of, if there were any constituents that were there that I wanted to that I wanted to connect with, so I think, and just to bring it back to this, you know, I, I think and Lisa called this as well. I think what we're going to start seeing is that typically some of the some of the most notable HCPs and research and partner audiences are not necessarily very; they're not extremely active on social. They're very they're passively active on social, meaning they're not you know because of their work. And because of what they do, they're not, they're not spending long hours on social. And, I, and the COVID landscape, what it, what it, what has happened is that, as a result, all these medical meetings and all these events where, you know, ACPs and research and partners will usually go to to shake hands and meet with other constituents to talk about data, to talk about different levels of science, to talk about different research, um, and just to be very external, none of that stuff is happening. So now it's forced them to, to get inclined with digital trends and how to really reach their primary constituents and audiences using um you know, using digital platforms. And I've I've already started seeing it. I've already started seeing a difference between, you know, CPMs f- from before COVID hit to CPMs now. I've started seeing the quality of traffic. Coming from social to during campaigns, coming to our own destinations from before COVID to what it to what it looks like now. I, I've also seen cost per acquisition when it comes to do with, you know, converting on an on an action that you're looking to get. Whether it's, you know, downloading a white paper, whether it's um, coming to the website and downloading a piece of content that's that's HCP friendly. I've seen that that cost decreased. So. <clears throat> And I've also seen a shift from when COVID hit first hit to 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 the landscape now, where where the CPMS are starting to write to right size. So you know, it's 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 definitely quite obvious and it's prevalent right now that that there's audiences that were harder to reach before before COVID are now very much active on coming to social looking for some of this content um, that that we that um they may have not had the need to look for before but are looking for now on another note i think the whole you know if we look at pharma i think one of the biggest problems that we that we have is that the companies that have the most money spend the most on a lot of them spend the most on digital but then there's a there's a huge quantity versus quality issue that's been going on in the industry meaning because you have there's a lot of companies that have a, that are spending a lot of ad revenue a lot of um a lot of marketing money and marketing dollars but they're not putting out content that shows rationale of why you should click on that you know why you should digest that content um <clears throat> and it ladders back to 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 COVID, right so you know especially we're starting to see companies that are doing you know road to um a road to vaccine and and they're, they're they're being very smart with the kind of content that they're creating they're talking through influencers as well and taking that content and being able to show a rationale of here's why you should you should believe in the science that we're create that 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 we're that we are inventing <clears throat> for you to make a patient's lives better every every day so I, I think that you know covid has has given that platform to for people for Pharma companies should be a little bit more mindful when thinking about the quality of their content, um, you know, versus their, you know, versus of the their the quantity of content they're putting out there. Lastly, I think that data. I think companies have right now they have the opportunity to now that they're not spending a lot of money for events and physical appearance. I know it. it, it you know, looking at Bristol Myers Squibb. There's a lot of events that we would have thrown throughout the year that we've pulled back from because of the, the COVID landscape. And you know things that we would normally use to deploy externally, we're not doing that because if we do do that, it would appear tone deaf. But we have invested a lot in data and getting an understanding since there are no more on the ground, you know, boots on the ground events, is, is, is getting our access to data that allows us to be smarter about the activations that we do that we do on digital. Um, so, you know, when I think about how the how COVID changed the overall um, landscape um, and what it, you know how it will change it in the future, depending on the this pandemic plays out, I kind of think about those 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 three those three areas.
0: Uh, you know, while we're talking about the future, uh, let's just, you know, segue to, you know, one one last question here and we'll, we'll kind of wrap with this one. Um, you know, the last time I asked you all how industry has evolved in its use of of the medium um, and you spoke of a feeling that industry is embracing the platform um, of a comfort with comfort level with incremental progress Um in, in the absence of any kind of real, real clear social media guidance, you know, other than be, be truthful and accurate and not misleading um, on whatever platform you're on. Um, and as Guytime pointed out, you know, using analytics to refine your approach, but I can't help but think we're at yet another inflection point now. So I wanted to ask you all where you see industry's use of the medium evolving next.
1: I think that you're going to be looking at, you know, now everybody knows like we have to be on social, I think there's two things uh, that are really critical to moving it to the next phase, which is how can I leverage the platform the way it's intended? How can I look at it as more than just media? Um, I think measurement in, in social is going to be key. And that's something uh, that I'm really leaned forward and on Twitter and hoping to bring some of those solutions. Cause right now there's no way specifically to show, um, that pharma that that health audiences that you're reaching the right audience. So I think that's a key piece um, for pharma is the measurement piece. I think also you are seeing people push the boundaries of um, assuming that the no path all the time. So I saw yesterday, Adefvio and Novartis therapy did a TikTok dance as an activation, and it was brilliant. And it's different, and it's new, and it was unexpected. Um, And so Novartis in general across the board is doing really interesting, cool things all the time. Uh, You know, you're seeing people do live stream uh, HCP events, which who would have thought, right? Really innovative things. Um, You know, we at Twitter now have a partnership with WebMD where they're bringing their content to Twitter that's created for Twitter. um, And that's new, right? So looking at, at... different, the way content is consumed in a social environment is totally different. So you have, yes, the audiences are there, but how do you talk to them? And I think we're, we're, and what is, what does content look like, you know, on those platforms? So I think there's a lot happening. I think 2021 will be a very transformative year in terms of how marketers are using social because those barriers are kind of getting challenged all the time. And you're seeing uh, pharma really wanna engage in different ways.
3: I mean, for, for me, I think that it's um, gonna be the continuation of evolutions that we've seen on messaging and tone. You know, I think the more that we as an industry can talk to people like people, uh, you know, and give them very simple information and, you know, not get tied up into knots with, you know, uh, the way that information has to be presented um, I think the better off everyone will be for it, you know, uh, both as marketers and communicators and as, you know, in, in the shoes of audience members to make sure that they're getting information that is gonna be most relevant for them. Um, you know, it, it, it wouldn't be a trend conversation if we didn't talk about, you know, TikTok, but um, <laughs> I continue to hear that, you know, marketers are hungry uh, and, and the platform itself is hungry to invite, you know, uh, the pharmaceutical industry, but figuring out a way that we can be compliant you know, in using a platform like that um, is, is still a question mark. Now, the compliance is one thing, but I think you know, that idea of tone is really the important part in my mind there, because if we can put a compliant message up there, but still you know, are fumbling on the tone that is gonna be needed for something like that, which is the epitome of informal conversational, you know, what have you right now, then it's a miss. And it's, you know, we could put it on the platform, but no one's going to react to it. No one's going to care. So I think that that's just kind of like a one representation of like what a watershed moment could be Uh, less about like, Hey, you know, check we're on a new platform and more about, we've figured out a way that we can utilize, uh, or, or, you know, use the lexicon, and the style that people are actually going to respond to, you know, that make them feel like, you know, this is akin to like a Nike or an xbox or, a, you know, a Coca Cola or something like that, you know, that have been acing, you know, direct to consumer um, communications for a while now. Um, So I think the more that we can get over that hump of the sort of inherent conservatism um, of the industry and how we can message things. And it can be done. I mean, it, it certainly can with the, you know, sort of the precedent that we have, but who's going to jump in the deep end and actually do that and then be able to affix, you know, business value as a result of that as well, because that is, you know, the uh, the, the key as to why someone would do it again in the future. So to me, I think that's the next shoe to drop. Interesting
0: comment about tone being the the biggest question on on a short form video platform uh lisa not to put you on the spot but what what was it that you really liked about that that novartis um tiktok uh, example that you cited
1: well i think you know it's a lot to david's point it it wasn't just like checking the box putting their ad on there right they integrated with the feel and the reason behind the platform and i think that's what you're seeing um you know Novartis has a great execution on Twitter with one of their uh, psoriasis brands with Cosentix around like inviting you to share your story, right? So, so you're seeing them want to integrate with the user experience and just and being on the platform to, to do interesting things, not just to be on the platform to check it off like, oh, I'm in social. Um, and I, I thought the Adecvio execution was brilliant for that, for that exact reason.
0: Right. Which gets back to your earlier point last time in, in terms of, you know uh, marketers kind of started off kind of treating social media as media, but now they're kind right. of real looking at it more as, okay, what can I do that's new and different and, and more uh, taking advantage of, of what it's true intention is.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And I think you're going to see more and more of that. I think people will, you know, I think they, they wet their toes and they do efficient media on the bigger platforms um, but at Twitter, you know, my goal is to do the most interesting work. And my goal is to leverage the dynamic, unique nature of the platform for marketers um, in ways that you can't do other places. And I think that's, in general, the benefit of socials that all the platforms work very differently. People go there for very different reasons. And if marketers are able to integrate into what that reason is, they'll be that much more successful because it's very fast the social feed. And you've got a very short moment to captivate that person. And I think they all have different ways to do it. And you're seeing marketers, like marketers come to us, we want to tie into culture, we want to tie into what's going on. That's why people are coming to Twitter. So that's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, people are going to other platforms, because, you know, there's massive scale, people are going to other platforms, you know, TikTok, you know, that was a great example, like tying into the dance. And, and I mean, it was it was great. So I think you're going to see more of that. And instead of media where it's kind of, they just use the same asset everywhere. I don't think that, I think social is very different. And I think you're seeing marketers realize that.
0: Okay. Well, yeah. Um, and, and breaking out of their inherent conservatism, perhaps. And, yeah. and now that, uh, you know, they're not spending as much on uh, the, the live events and, and the sales forces uh, for the time being. Uh, it's an opportunity to, to focus on these other things. Um, and so definitely things to look, look forward to in, in 2021. Well, um, on that note, um, those very wise um, parting words, um, I want to thank you all for joining me again. It was great to continue the dialogue with you all.
1: Thanks for having me. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I want to thank everybody out there for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did, uh, please like us. Uh, Please subscribe on uh, your platform of choice and help others discover the show. Um, That'll do it for another episode of the MMM Podcast. Thanks again, everybody, and we'll see you next time.